This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, this is AC. The Doc Project will not be coming back in the fall. So this summer, we're bringing you some of our favorite episodes since the show began back in 2015. This episode originally aired in May of 2019. Do you mind if I ask you a question? Uh, sure. Would you consider me short-tempered? Absolutely not. (laughs) Okay, maybe a little bit. Like, why do you want to know? Hey, I'm AC Rowe. This is The Doc Project. And that's Eunice Kim interrogating her partner, Bobby. Okay, Eunice is not trying to put Bobby on the spot. She's asking him about her temper because of an article she read by a woman named Yuni Hong. And it was about Koreans being really short-tempered and angry, and it was talking about, like, Korean rage. Rage? Yeah. Only, the article didn't call it rage. There was a Korean word, one Eunice had never heard before, which she found pretty odd because she was born in South Korea and speaks the language fluently. And yet, here's this totally unfamiliar word. It was this thing called Han, like Han, or like H-A-N. And um, it's this emotion that is like internalized. And it's this feeling of like anger, grief, resentment, all the amazing things. Well, I think you have some of the maybe characteristics. Like, like, you, can, like you can be short-tempered. Like, I think anybody would say that. Do you think it's weird that I'd never heard of this before reading that article? Like, did you know the word? Or like, I mean, like you didn't know the idea of it? No, like I had literally never heard of it in my life. But what Eunice found really strange was that while she'd never heard of the word Han before, the concept felt oddly familiar. Like the way that she described her family and herself and like her reaction to things around her and other Koreans' reactions to certain events, I was like, oh my god, like, that's me. Like, that's totally me, and that's my family. And I always thought that... It was unique to your family. Yeah, I I just thought that my my family was, like, crazy, and, like, that's just us. And then now, like, as I watch more, like, Korean dramas and stuff, I'm like, why are Koreans so dramatic? And maybe this is it. Like, maybe it's because of this thing called Han. Eunice is going to take it from here. One of the first things I do when I read about Han is Google it. Wikipedia describes it as a feeling of unresolved resentment against injustices suffered, a sense of helplessness because of the overwhelming odds against one, a feeling of acute pain in one's guts and bowels, making the whole body writhe and squirm, and an obstinate urge to take revenge and to right the wrong. It sounds horrifying and kind of painful. But what's even more worrisome is that it's apparently an inherent part of being Korean. So does that mean my whole family has it? Do I have it? I wish I could speak to them in person, but most of my family lives in South Korea, including my only living grandparent, my maternal grandmother, my weharmoni. 지. I asked my grandmother what Han is. Han이 뭔데요? 
She tells me she can't even begin to describe it because she has so much of it. A mother of six, my Weharmoni not only lived through the Japanese occupation period and the Korean War, but she also lost her husband, her eldest son, and a granddaughter to various ailments over the years. She tells me she's lived a hard life for 86 years. Now that she's old and her body is slowing down, she can't help but think about her past, all the things that she couldn't do for people, all the ways that she wronged her children and her parents. Regret. That's the driving force behind my grandma's Han. She can trace its origin back to her childhood, when she was a little girl with the big dream of becoming a school teacher. In those days, daughters weren't allowed to get a formal education. So her father, my great-grandfather, only sent the boys in the family to school. That will always be my grandmother's biggest regret and the main reason for her Han, being denied access to education. When you're young, you're too focused on what's in front of you and living your life. So Han can only truly be understood when you're older. When all your kids grow up and leave your side, you look back on your life and you think, life was hard. Now I have a lot of Han. Is Han intergenerational? Can her Han be passed down to my mom and eventually get passed down to me? She says that it's not possible. Her generation is the last generation to have Han. My mom is sitting beside my grandmother in Korea while we're speaking, and I can sense that she doesn't agree. So I ask her, does she have Han? She says, oh, I have lots. She starts to explain the source of her Han. But first, there's something that you need to know. My mom and dad, they both live in Korea now, whereas my brother and I, we live in Toronto. But that hasn't always been the case. I call my mom back to let her explain in English. When we immigrated to Canada, we had a big dream. We wanted to start a radio station for the Korean community. It was hard for us to maintain, so we had to close it down. My father had always wanted to run a radio station. And I remember my parents working tirelessly to keep their dream alive. After five years of dealing with declining ad revenue and hemorrhaging money, the radio station was no longer sustainable. They had no choice but to fold it and move on. That was such a tough decision to make. That turned into my Han. My mother's Han, her regret, the closure of the station, and its consequences. My father decided to pursue new opportunities abroad, first the U.S. and eventually Korea, to provide for our family. 
we couldn't keep it going. If it had worked out, we wouldn't have had to leave you and your brother. That is my biggest regret. My mother stayed with my brother and me in Canada as long as she could. But when my father had several health scares back in Korea, she returned there to take care of him. She made the difficult decision to leave my 20-year-old brother and me behind. I was 14 years old. I felt like I had failed as a mother. It was the biggest mistake of my life. So to me, Han is the regret I feel from living apart from my children. So my mom has Han. It's regret, tinged with sadness, from having to live apart from my brother and me. My grandmother's Han feels like regret too. It's not the -the over-the-top, fiery rage I thought Han was supposed to be. It feels more like pain. I'm more confused than ever. My name is uh, Michael Shin. I'm a scholar of uh, Korean history. I specialize in uh, modern Korean history, especially the history of the Japanese uh, colonial period. I call Michael Shin to try to get some clarity. There's a tendency to try to define Han in terms of emotions. Right. And uh, that's problematic. I think, I think in a way that, that, that gets you nowhere because uh, that's sort of the surface phenomenon. Mm. And, and there's so many different emotions involved in it. That's why you can't translate it in one term if you try to focus on emotions. If you try to focus more on uh, causes or the underlying uh, experiences that cause those emotions, then I think you can, uh, it's easier to approach a definition of Han. The most obvious symbol of Han in Korea, of course, is separated families. Mm-hmm. You know, families where there are some living in North Korea, some living in South Korea. And it's the term that sort of expresses the, the pains that they feel at being so separated from their family mm-hmm. and being unable to do mu- uh, much about it. Again, so I tend to define it as a situation where you have this overwhelming traumatic experience that causes you to lose your collective identity. Most people in their daily lives don't experience the division of the country in a very direct manner. Mm-hmm. Yet, if you put divided families, like separated families, when they meet, then they show it on TV. People are riveted; like they feel that emotion, mm-hmm. even if you know, they have no direct experience of it. And does every Korean have Han? I think every every Korean can feel it. Like if, if it's shown to them, that they will understand it eventually. Is it taught? Is it you know? Is it widely discussed? And that's why that it's just a thing that everyone knows. Han is used in everyday conversation. You know, p- people will bring it up. People will um, mention it in the, in, the, in their conversation, or even even in you know seemingly uh, I guess you know sort of mundane ways. You know, a parent talking to a child saying, you know, if you don't get to a good college, you know, I will have Han. <laughs> <laughs> right? There could be there could be something like that. So you know, it's it's it is constantly around. Right. Once you see it, like you, you'll 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 start noticing it more, like in Korean pop culture. You know, say more everywhere. Uh, in TV dramas more, you'll, you'll notice it more. Then all of a sudden it appears as, as if it's almost everywhere. It's true. There's something about Korean films and television shows that I can never quite put my finger on. Like Lee Chang-dong's intense drama, Peppermint Candy. Or Bong Joon-ho's thriller, Mother. I'm not 
Would you consider Han intergenerational? I think as long as the, the division of the country persists, you know, Koreans will be able to feel it. I don't think they feel quite whole mm-hmm. in, in this divided country. Yes, I mean, they can feel connected to some parts of Koreanness or the Korean, Korean past. But until the country is reunited, there will always be something lacking. And I think that, that's what Han sort of captures. Like You don't feel Han all the time. But mm-hmm. when you're faced with the reality of the division, then people feel Han. Like, how would I know if I have Han? <laughs> uh, if you can uh, access it, it would be a better way to think about it. It's not something you possess or just inside you, but something when you see it out that you can relate to it. You can feel, you can access it. After my mom left for Korea, it was just my brother and me. He had told my parents he would look after me, but from day to day, we lived together like roommates. We moved into a high-rise apartment across the street from my high school to make commuting easier. At school, I kept busy with anything and everything, the arts, sports, clubs, part-time jobs, to keep the loneliness at bay. The mundane things were the hardest to get used to, like taking the bus home after a rugby game instead of getting picked up, or being able to eat fast food for dinner without getting into trouble. Birthdays were particularly rough. We started a new long-distance tradition. We would each buy a small cake, sing happy birthday, and blow out the candles on video chat. Meanwhile, I was grappling with my identity as a Korean-Canadian. At school, I grew up surrounded by non-Korean classmates and was often the only Asian person in the room. It felt like the only ties I had to my Koreanness were thousands of kilometers away. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hi, is this Janice? Yeah. Maybe that's why I feel some affinity with Janice Lee. She's Korean-American. She teaches creative writing at Portland State University. But when I'm digging around, I see she's also written about Han and has even taught a course on it. Some family members that I've spoken to um, have said that you know, Han is only felt, um, you know, by older Koreans who have ex- personally experienced trauma and hardship, whereas other pieces like writing and articles and works of literature consider it to run in the blood of all Koreans regardless of lived experience. Yeah. And what do you think about that belief that if you don't directly experience something, you can't really feel it? You can't feel I, the repercussions of it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that this is a belief that parents often just have in general and it's and it's just this belief that in not talking about something you're not passing something on right like I think a lot of Korean parents don't want to pass their pain on to their children right but they want their children to like survive and have survival skills and be successful and there's like we don't acknowledge that actually like not talking about something still creates something like the silence is still um, actually very felt I spoke to my grandmother about Han, actually, and um, she said, uh, you know, it's uh, Han to her is a lot of regret. 
mm-hmm. and uh, resentment. And I asked her if if I could have Han. And she said, no. <laughs> she said, it ends with my generation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, my, my dad said something similar. I mean, one, I think it, it really resonates with me that she's using words like regret and resentment, right? And I, I feel like that says so much about the ways in which we deal with problems differently, right? Like it comes out as anger for some people and and for others it's it's a lot quieter. It's like like resentment and 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 regret is like so much of a quieter way of, of dealing with the different pressures or different trajectories. And I think that a lot of people who have actually gone through the the core traumatic experience themselves actually don't think about how it's going to go on for generations, right? And I think that's I think that's the belief that a lot of people um, in the previous generation have that that you know younger people can't have Han. I think it, the belief is actually more about the hope that we don't have Han in the same way that they have it. I know this might be a really big question, but <laughs> does every Korean have Han? I don't know. Um, so that's a question that I'm still exploring myself because I think it's it's tied to Korean identity in general that to me feels actually like a bigger question like what it what it means to actually even be Korean or Korean American as a Korean Canadian I've never felt like I belonged on either side of the hyphen having been born in Korea becoming a Canada at age five I don't quite blend in here yet I don't fit in in Korea either Koreans tease me for my funny accent and often make me feel like a foreigner if I asked you, how would I know if I've Han? Would that be something that you'd be able to help me with? I think like even whether or not someone has it, I don't think you can just go up and be like, you have Han if they say no. Um, there's something to it that feels like it's a it's an individual relationship. One person I haven't asked about Han is my dad. Oh. I catch him at home on a quiet Sunday morning in Daegu, Saturday night in Toronto. It's supposed to be his day off, but as usual, he's in his office prepping for the upcoming week. When I ask him about Han, he tells me it's a wish, yearning for something. The wish to have been a certain type of person, the desire to achieve a certain goal. It's the sadness he feels when he thinks about the things that he wasn't able to do and the dreams he wasn't able to fulfill. I ask him, if Han is so important to Korean society, culture, and especially to our family, how come they never taught me about it? He never told me and my brother about Han because he didn't think we ever experienced any big incidents or events in our lives. He keeps using the word incident, 사건. What does that even mean? My father gives me an example of Han-related incidents. The Gwangju Uprising, also known as the Gwangju Massacre. In May 1980, hundreds of civilians were killed, beaten, and imprisoned for holding pro-democracy, anti-martial law demonstrations in the southern city of Gwangju. 
Eyewitnesses said about 3,000 high school students marched on government buildings but were beaten back by paratroopers using clubs and tear gas. My dad recalls being captured and tortured by soldiers during a student demonstration. He was finally released after two weeks of torture. This is the first time I'm hearing about this. I realize an incident to him, sakon, means a traumatic experience. A moment that changes you. I ask him, did he not tell us about Han because in a way he was trying to protect us from trauma? Yes, he says. Because Han isn't like a present you give someone. And even if it were, it's not like it's a good present. Do you think I have Han? I ask him. His answer blows me away. He says, when you were younger, we should have spent more time together and made more memories. But because we're often apart, with me and your mom over here in Korea and you and your brother over there, I'm sure those circumstances caused you to develop some Han. I'm sure there were lots of times you felt lonely and really missed us. As more time passes, those are the moments you'll think back on and go, oh, I wish we could have spent more time together as a family. That sadness and regret you feel from our time apart will eventually turn into your own version of Han. This is the most my father has ever said to me about our separation. Yet our family has lived on two different continents for over a decade now. We've cried and laughed tons, shared good news and bad, and celebrated countless milestones, but most of it long distance, through video chats and text messages. And it's true, I have felt lonely at times. I do feel sadness, regret, and honestly, even a bit of resentment when I think about how much time we've spent apart. All the years we never got to be a normal family. When I spoke to Michael Shin, he said Han is a term that expresses the pain and trauma of Korean families divided across the border. Maybe now I finally have a word to describe my own parallel experience of being separated from my family across continents. It's liberating to be able to put a name to the emotions I felt all these years. Before we say goodbye, I asked my dad to help me define or translate the word Han. Translation. He says it's an emotion that words can't capture. The best way to understand Han is to watch films or listen to songs. Which song? I ask. 
Arirang. Arirang, he says. Korea's unofficial national anthem. If I listen closely, I'll be able to hear a mix of Korean emotions. Sadness, joy, sorrow, yearning. It's a perfect symbol of what Han means to Koreans. Arirang, Arirang, Arario. Crossing over Arirang Pass. The one who left me behind shall not walk even three miles before their feet hurt. Arirang was the first Korean song I ever learned and the only one I still know by heart. As a child, I never really understood what it was about. But now, maybe I do. That doc was produced by Eunice Kim. It was edited and mixed by Allison Cook. It was originally broadcast in May of 2019. Eunice says she still has Han. But that does not seem to have deterred Bobby, because Eunice and Bobby are engaged. They plan on getting married next summer. And if all goes according to plan, Eunice's parents will be returning to Canada next year after an absence of 14 years, half of Eunice's life. While working on this story, we ended up in a YouTube hole of Han. And to spare you digging your own YouTube hole, Eunice collected her top five Korean pop culture examples of Han. Movies, TV shows, songs... It's all in a countdown video. You can check that out on our website. We're at cbc.ca slash docproject. I will note, she made her list before the film Parasite came out. So if you have seen Parasite, then you have already seen Han in action. No spoilers, but if you've seen it, you know the scene I mean. And if you haven't, you will know when you do. This episode of The Doc Project was produced by Allison Cook. Julia Poggle, and me. Althea Manassan and Andrew Nguyen were on digital. Our senior producer was Jennifer Warren. I'm AC Rowe. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.